Okay, welcome everyone. This is uh, Jim Barton and Reverend Abigail Conley, and we are going to do an episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Today, our episode is going to focus on uh, a political issue, and we're going to look at the refugee crisis in America and talk about how we think the Bible informs evaluating that crisis. So, um, Abby, I'm going to start with you. Let me. What, what does the Bible say about how to treat the immigrant? So, from a purely law perspective, there, I mean, over and over again, it says, "Welcome the alien among you. Welcome the foreigner among you. Um, welcome, 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 and um, care for that person. Whoever is the vulnerable person among you is someone you take care of in a very specific way." And also, maybe welcome them because you yourself were a wandering Aramean, right? Right. That is part of the Deuteronomy um, text. But one of the things that, the stories that I think is better known, because we get those kind of laws that become, you know, harder to wrap your head around, even though they should make sense. But the story of Ruth. Um, and Ruth, her husband dies, and they say, okay, you can go back to wherever. And she says, no. I want to go where you go, your God will be my God, your people will be my people. And they say, okay. And so she's taken in um, by her husband's family, even though they didn't have to. She becomes a foreigner who is essentially a naturalized citizen, is what it comes down to. And she um, is taken in, even though she's poor. Because the other thing, Ruth's story, how she meets Boaz, everything is she's gleaning so this is something reserved for the poorest of the poor the people who otherwise wouldn't have food whatever was left in the fields you weren't supposed to go back and like do a second picking you leave it there so that the poor people can come and take enough to live on um, usually for that day this is subsistence level people so you have the story of this woman who was taken in as part of that um, who continues to be poor and yet is granted an honored place in the Bible and the history of God's people. And specifically, I, Ruth is uh, in the lineage of, uh, of Jesus, right? Thanks. Right, so that's, it's interesting. So she's poor, she's a foreigner, and P.S., she's, um, in the, in, she's in the line of David and therefore in the line of, of Jesus. So I think, and I think going to stories like that are important because if we come back and we look at just the the text in Leviticus and Deuteronomy where it talks about how to treat the foreigner, um, we have to acknowledge a couple of things. One thing is we have to acknowledge that there's no concept of legal and illegal immigration present in the scripture. And I think, I think it's really important to be honest about that. I mean, I think I've seen a lot of folks who I have a feeling maybe don't do a whole lot of Bible reading, um, you know, taking scriptures from Leviticus and, and popping them up on, the, on Facebook and such. And I think that can be a little bit uh, problematic because there isn't that, that distinction. And let's, let's remember too, those are all in the same places where we have similar things like we have guidance in scripture about gay sex, forbidding gay sex. But we all know now that gay sex and being gay are not the same thing, right? We have scriptures about slavery in the Bible. But frankly, the slavery in ancient culture was really quite different than the slavery of chattel slavery in the United States you know, up through the 19th century. And so, taking these laws just as laws, besides being a little bit hypocritical, if you don't want to follow them all, which is one problem, it's also just inaccurate because oftentimes they're not really pointing to the same thing. So, 
I think we do have to then look beyond, we have to look deeper in scripture than just sort of finding the verse that says something we like and then stopping there. Right. Um, you wanted, you had an, a concept too about how the scripture teaches us to respond to scarcity because I think that's driving a lot of the immigrant issue. Right. So I, I think, you know, there's the narrative of, oh, if we let immigrants in, they take our jobs. They take all of these other things. And what we're actually seeing, and especially in the wake of the refugee ban, is like, oh, we have a lot of immigrants who are doctors, and our healthcare system is actually dependent on them. So we, we see, but the narrative of scarcity continues, and the scarcity of resources, and what are they going to take from us, and how are we going to support them? It's never, you know, what do the immigrants bring? It's like, well, no, they're going to drain our welfare systems and all of these things that are already overtaxed. Um, and it's interesting because all of these laws we're talking about come out of the ancient Near Eastern world where you're talking about people who the very well off by our standards are a subsistence economy. They're living day to day. They don't know what the next day brings. There is a scarcity of resources. They're living in small groups. There's no Twitter to tell you, hey, there's a fight over here. There's no way of knowing if an army is coming. You might be taken over at any point. Um, you really might not know how you're feeding the people in your midst. And so like Canaanite laws, for example, who are you know, the hated neighbors of Israelites, they like, oh yeah, you welcome a foreign dignitary, but you don't welcome someone who's fleeing. You don't welcome someone who's just wandering on their own. Because those are people who are going to draw on your scarce resources, and it doesn't benefit you. So the Canaanites had an H-1B visa program where you only let the people in if they can show that they can bring something valuable to Canaan that you couldn't otherwise do. Right. All right. So maybe the idea of legal and illegal immigration is not as absent not as, as I thought. Right. Um, within the Israelite world, it is, though. Because it doesn't say for foreign dignitaries you do this. It says you welcome the alien. You welcome the person who's fleeing. You offer them refuge. So it's a very different narrative without a concern for scarcity, uh, without a concern for how are we going to feed these people? How are we going to take care of these people? These are people who need to be welcomed. And you get that in some of the stories among with the patriarchs, right? I mean, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is primarily a story about hospitality. And you had these foreigners who were with them, and, and Lot was compelled to protect the foreigner. Yeah. We have the story of the angels that come and visit Abraham to tell him he's going to be the father of a great nation. At first, his encounters with them is they're just men that are out walking in the desert, and he's offering them hospitality. Um, I think another message that comes through is a lack of fear. Because I think over and over again, I mean, we know very well um, the story of the angels when they come to the shepherds and, you know, watching their flocks at night and said, fear not, you know, for unto you is born a child and savior and all that. But that idea of fear not is repeated over and over and over again in the Bible, where um, the angels will tell the people of God, don't be afraid. And Jesus tells his followers, don't be afraid, over and over and over again, because a lot of times what I hear in the refugee crisis particularly is, we're too scared to be loving. We want to be loving, but what if one of them can be radicalized? We want to be loving, but what if one of them brings a terrorist in who's already radicalized? And I think the scripture teaches us, just like the scripture you were talking about says, be generous even in scarce times, I think the scripture teaches, be fearless even in dangerous times. And I think that is a profound theme that runs through the whole Bible that very much impacts um, the current refugee crisis. Yeah. 
Um, I think the other point of conversation with the refugee crisis, too, is quite frankly a commandment to love. Um, we've had various discussions between us of if if these laws about refugees pertain to our nation, or if they don't. Um, and th that's a debate we could have, but I think there's a very clear Christian response that is welcome and love. And I don't think there's a Christian way to get around that and to say, well, no, 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 you can't be here because that's not who we've been called to be. And so, you know, tomorrow in worship, we're reading the scripture where it says, you said, you've heard it said, love your neighbors, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that's still the response. The response is still, how do I love this person? How do I treat them? Not just fairly, not just justly. How do I treat them hospitably? How do I welcome them with abundance? So much so that you say, oh, great, this guy's going to force you to walk a mile. And you walk too. Because yeah. that's what you do. You right. practice that abundance. You practice that even with the people who hate you. Right. You've heard it said, grant refuge. I say grant citizenship. Mm -hmm. like, like go the next. And I mean, and also, I mean, let's not forget we have Matthew 25 where basically Jesus says treat the least as if they're me. Yeah. That's another, I don't know, that's a, seems pretty, that seems pretty clear. So, um, and I think, I think we also should give credit for the fact that many churches have been very good and consistent on this. Right. On the issue of refugees. Um, the uh, Mormon church has come out very strongly in favor of, off of offering refuge to the refugees mm -hmm. and has said that they disagree with the administration's policy. The Pope has come out opposed to it. Um, you know, the, the little internet meme of you know, if Michael Moore, Dick Cheney, the Pope, and the LDS Church all agree on something, that, that, that's probably right. Like, the apocalypse <laughs> might be here, but it's probably right. So, all right, well, I think that's a, that's a, that's a good investigation, and um, I think it does show, too, that our faith can guide us in these political matters, and I hope that uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to sort of examine these with our, with our discussion. All right, well, thanks everybody, and until next time, cheers.